It's time to get all set for Sunday, a podcast for busy and distracted Catholics with your hosts, Scott Williams and Jeff Trailer. When I hear the coffee brewing, I think, what the heck we doing? Because I got barely any sleep last night. As the diaper bag I pack with hot wheels, dollies, and some snacks, I say, oh, pray there'll be a seat in the cry room this time. It's all right, because I'm all set for Sunday. It's all right, cause I'm all set for It's all right, cause I'm all set for It's all right, cause I'm all set for Sunday Welcome to All Set for Sunday, a podcast for busy and distracted Catholics to be a little more prepared for Sunday Mass. My name is Scott Williams. My co-host is Jeff Trailer. Hey, Jeff. Hi, Scott. Jeff, you're wearing a shirt of yourself on a shirt. Well, you made me a shirt. With a picture of me on the shirt. I did. And so it's me, and then right below me is me. It's a good-looking shirt. Oh, thank you. Um, hey, Scott, I missed you. I've, I have missed you, too. And I've missed all of our listeners. Um, this is not going to be like the next podcast that's You've made a very good being point. dropped on. There's going to be podcasts. Error. Yeah. Awesome. We'll just edit that out. Probably not going to edit it out. Nope. Um, Everybody will get a good laugh. <laughs> few weeks down the road from right now, this big dumb idiot with a picture of himself on his shirt. I uh, I want to welcome today our, our guest, Father Jonathan Meyer. Hello, Father Meyer. Greetings to all of our listeners today from southeastern Indiana. I can't say I've missed Father Meyer. Yeah, you can't say that. Oh, I missed you, Father. I missed you all too as well. Good to see you. How have you been? Very good. Very blessed. We had a great, uh, yeah, great Easter. Came to its conclusion, of course, on Pentecost and getting ready right now as we record for Corpus Christi and for the National Eucharistic Revival and all that that entails. We're having five Corpus Christi processions here in Dearborn County in the next four days. And then myself and Father Michael Kucher and I are plan are in charge of the Corpus Christi procession in downtown Indianapolis. Oh, that's fun. Uh, so just a few things happening. Yeah. Sounds like you got a busy week ahead. Amen. Um, all right. Should we jump into it? I'm ready. All right. Let's do, I'm ready. Let's do the two-minute drill, Jeff. Two-minute drill, everybody. Uh, it is the 13th Sunday in ordinary time. Um, we went into ordinary time. We had a nice little run of solemnities. Now we're back into ordinary time, which is a solemnity, I know. But... Um, Just a regular old Sunday. So Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. our first reading comes from uh, 1 Kings, where Elijah, this is where it always gets tricky. Elijah, Elisha, Elisha, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of these names all together. So Elisha, Elijah is told by the Lord to anoint Elisha, Elisha. Is it Elisha or Elisha, Father? I say Elisha. I I distinction by saying Elijah and Elisha. That's how I do it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go with that too. Um, I'm, I'm, and then. It talks about Elisha's father, too, but I'm not going to even try to pronounce that. But anyway, Elijah is supposed to anoint Elisha to succeed him. And so he goes out, finds Elisha. Elisha's uh, plowing, the, plowing the fields. And our theme of the day is yokes. We talk a lot about yokes this week. And as the kids say, when you're real strong, you get yoked or you're yoked. And so oh, I, really? I think, yeah. I think our readings are yoked today. All right. Um, very strong. So anyway, he goes over, throws his cloak, plays a game of peekaboo, it seems, um, by throwing a, his cloak over Alicia and then saying, you're it, you're anointed. And then um, <laughs> Alicia then responds by saying, let me say goodbye and I'll follow you. And then Elijah says, 
go. I haven't done anything to you yet. I haven't said anything, but Elisha already knew. So he slaughtered all the yo- the oxen, started burning his plowing equipment to boil their flesh, and then gave it to people to eat. So apparently they didn't need any of those oxen anymore. 12 oxen is a lot of oxen, by the way, to boil. Just wanted to point that out. It's a big kettle. Yes. Um, the response to Psalm, you are my inheritance, O Lord. What an inheritance. I'm just saying. Like, um, I, I'm probably going to get like a nice little coin collection and maybe just some like memorabilia from my dad. But uh, uh, this one, this is a big one. You are my inheritance, O Lord. Uh, I'll take that all day long. There you go. My inheritance. Um, Secondary, no offense to my dad. He'll be listening to this too. But like, I'm happy for your inheritance as well. But it's not, you know, <laughs> the Lord. Um, second reading in our yoke theme um, talks about how Brothers and sisters, for freedom, Christ set us free. So Christ set us free. He made us free. Um, He gave us the freedom, relieved us from the yoke of slavery. He said that we should not use this freedom for flesh, but rather to serve one another. Um, We we see the gospels being quoted here. You should love your neighbor as yourself. Um, And there's very much, uh, this reading gave me like a William Wallace type feel, right? But they'll never take our freedom. Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. What's the uh, movie called? Braveheart. Braveheart. Yeah. Um, so we're told then live by the spirit, not be gratified by the desires of the flesh. Um, because the two of them are against each other. They fight, they're an opposing force. Instead, focus on the freedom uh, that the spirit gives us to follow the law. And then our gospel reading. Gospel comes from Luke chapter 9, 51 to 62. When the days for Jesus begin, or When the days for Jesus being taken up were fulfilled, he resolutely determined to journey to Jerusalem, and he sent his messenger ahead of him. On the way, they entered a Samaritan village to prepare for his reception there, but they would not welcome him because the destination of his journey was Jerusalem. When the disciples James and John saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to calm down fire from heaven to consume them? Jesus turned and rebuked them, and they journeyed to to another village. As they were proceeding on their journey, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus answered, Foxes have dens and birds of the sky have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to rest his head. And to another he said, Follow me. But he replied, Lord, let me go first and, blurry my fa- and bury my father. But he answered him, Let the dead bury their dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me say farewell to my family at home. To him, Jesus said, no one who sets a hand to the plow and looks to what was left behind is fit for the kingdom of God. Good job, Jeff. Thanks. Father Meyer, did Jeff get anything wrong? I thought he sounded very professional and very spiritual at the same time. That's that's very sweet of you, Father. Thank you. You're welcome. Did a yoke job. Welcome. (laughs) The job I did was yoke. You did a yoke job. You did a yoke job. Um, but it's it's got to be your bowl. Your bowl. <laughs> Father Meyer, what, what are you preaching on this weekend? I would like to just ask the question. Uh, when have you ever felt like calling down fire from heaven? <laughs> I think. I, I was think, hoping we were going to talk about this. I think it's a powerful part of the passage. How often in our in our lives are we like the apostles who are like Jesus? 
Look at all these crazy heathens. Look at all these crazy people doing all this crazy stuff in our world. Like, Lord, just call down heaven. Like, call down fire from heaven. Like, just let's have another Sodom and Gomorrah moment and just take them all out. And then our world would be a lot better. But can we talk about how, like, casually James and John said, first off, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, otherwise known as the sons of thunder. Mm -hmm. So, like, per title, maybe they could cast down fire from heaven. I'm not really sure. But, like... They've got it in their names. But then the fact that they just are like, you can tell they just like rolled their eyes and were like, Lord, you just, you want us to come to call down some fire from heaven to consume them as if they had that ability. But like, I know it's, it is one of those interesting things where they ask, do you want us to call down? They, they yeah. don't say, Jesus, <laughs> would you please call down fire from heaven? Because they know what Jesus' answer is going to be. It's so just, they're like, they're his bouncers. Jesus, they say the I think. Yeah, I think that's what's interesting about that question. Is, is like, and that's why I asked the question: Have you ever felt like asking to call down fire from heaven? Because it's our judgment that wants; it's our human nature, not the divine nature, that often wants the death of those who are not living their lives as they should, who are making our world a mess, who are perverting the minds of our children. And we want fire from heaven to come down and to smite them. But I think that God has something quite different for them. And I think, I think when we look at this story, uh, it's very clear that Jesus is in a Samaritan town. He makes it clear and he's unwelcomed because of that, because he is heading to Jerusalem. But I think it's important to put biblical texts in their context and so what, how does Jesus treat the Samaritans? It's not by condemnation. It's not by smiting them. Uh, it's actually by engaging them. And so we look at the story of the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, and we see that he is not afraid to engage those who some people want fire to come down and to consume them and burn them to a horrible death. Uh, he's willing to enter into a relationship and a conversation with them. I think we look at the story of the, uh, the good Samaritan where Jesus tells a story intentionally uh, building up and affirming the, the charity and the mercy, the goodness that exists within the Samaritan and I have no doubt that the people heard that Samaritans, you know, they heard that story and what did that do to them eventually? So I think it's a great question. Like, so who, who particularly do we look at in our world as being the problem or the issue that we would just like to no longer be on our planet or our earth or our neighborhood um, or in our parish? Um, and, <laughs> and, are we willing to actually engage them? And are we willing to be, what's it look like to engage them? I think like our Lord, I'm, I'm going to enter into a conversation with someone right now. Uh, there is a lot going on. It's the month of June that we're recording this. And there's a lot happening in our world right now when it comes to it being pride month and what our world believes right now and what our world is teaching um, in our schools and to our children. And I think they're wrongfully so is that often this idea of if we would just, if fire would just come down from heaven and just consume all these people, everything would be a lot better in our world. Um, so what does it mean to actually 
love and to be present and to uh, enter into conversation with these people uh, because this is, it's not going to go away by fire coming down from heaven. That's not going to bring an end to it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it could be, it could be other things as well. Um, people often come and talk to me about someone in their life that uh, is an alcoholic or an addict. And uh, I always tell them, uh, have you talked to them about their addiction? Have you talked to them about this issue? I'm like, yeah, but it always ends up terribly. And I just wish this person wasn't in my life. And then I always like to ask the clarifying question. When did you talk this to this person while they were drunk? Hmm. Or did you talk to them, you know, two days after the fact, um, when they were sober and you could actually enter into a conversation with them about their life and what's behind all of this and how can we actually, um, move forward? So how do we, how do we look at the, the, the challenges in our life and, and really become like Christ in those situations yeah, it's something and that, not just, that, uh, I was at a, at a conference recently and, and one of the things that s- stuck out at, at one of the talks was every single person has a specific and indispensable role in God's plan for salvation. And how, and that like, I had to take a step back and say, okay, where have I dismissed people? Where have I looked in and just said like, that person is not, not going to change, not going to. And I think the easy thing is like, I have a circle of influence that I can, you know, have relationships with and really dive deep into. And where am, where am I just skimming the surface on those relationships? Yep. And where am I, where am I really challenging people in a genuine way? But to, to do that, I need to actually be in a relationship with them right? and not just condemn them. Uh, how do we look at every individual as a possible disciple instead of as a condemned soul? And that's what Jesus is clearly. Well, I think, I think this is like, this is the 12 year old in me, but the, this is, it's the butt gospel because in that moment, like as Jesus continues in the gospel, every single person who he encounters, he says to follow them or they say, can I follow you? And he says, yes. And they go, awesome. I'll do it. But, let me go do the yep. thing first, but let me, and some of these are very important things. They're like huge things, but I find myself in the same scenario thinking I do need to give this person the time. I do need to give them this energy, but I just can't right now, but let me go do this and this and this. And it's something that honestly, Scott as a friend has been very good at holding me accountable for is being present and like trying to like truly give that time and that energy and make it a priority and not say, but, like I'm going to do this, but at the same time I'm going to be working on this or I'm going to be over here or I'm going to run and do these things first and forget about it. So I think that I, I see that how that plays in there as well. The idea that it has to be unequivocal. It has to be a total and complete focus. It has to be uh, a total surrender and give and it can't be conditional. Yeah. So, I, and I think there's something really beautiful about the fact that this is that, 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 that these conversations, 
these encounters where people are not willing to be all in are given to James and John right after, you know, they ask for the death of an entire town. <laughs> like James and John, are you all in? Like you're judging all of those people in Samaria. You're, you're, you're judging those, those you're, you're judging those Samaritans because they aren't perfect believers but are you willing to give everything, James and John? Because before you cast the first stone about who's a perfect believer, are you willing to give everything? Hmm. I think it's a powerful, a powerful contrast that you see there. Oftentimes those who want to condemn are often clearly not the most righteous uh, as they believe that they are. Oh uh, yeah, seen some of that on Facebook. Have you really? <laughs> I'm. By the way, by the way, by the way, I'm totally off Facebook. How's that going? Uh, it's actually been really good. It was. Uh, I've done Exodus ninety like four times, but this when I did it this past time. Yep. I had gotten a brand new computer and a brand new laptop like two days before, and I, I'm really lame. Like I never forget. My, I never remember my passwords. I couldn't remember my password to get into Facebook, to re log into my computer. And I was like, Oh, this is two days until access 90. I just won't log in. And then I just, I, I, I used to use the, the excuses. Like I'm a public figure during Exodus 90 where I'd be like, well, I'm not supposed to be on Facebook on Exodus 90, but, <laughs> but I'm the public figure. Yeah. yeah. So I'll like at least post something on Sundays. And then I just said, nope, I'm, th- I'm going to do th- these 90 days, totally done. And I just realized it really does like change your brain. It changes your brain. Yeah. You're constantly thinking about, I could post this. I should have posted this. I need to get a picture of this. Uh, what, would, what, would, what would my caption be for this? And so it is really liberating because I'm done. That, that same uh, conference I was at, they had a little little cards on the tables at dinner. And you're supposed to, it was like one of those, how do you meet more people thing? Um, and my card said, find someone that did Exodus 90 this year. Oh, really? So I picked up the card and I looked around and sitting across from me at the table was James Baxter, the founder of Exodus 90. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> did he do it this year? Uh, he did. I think he just like perpetually lives in it. Yeah, he, yeah, uh, no, him, and, him, and, yeah, him and Nathaniel Benavides are like just constantly living Exodus 90. There is no other way. Yeah. Good, good people. Um, they are. All right. Are we ready for some, some uh, dumb questions? We are. It's time for Jeff's Dumb Questions. The part in the show where the glow of the flame of knowledge grows a little dimmer and our collective IQ goes down a few points, all thanks to Jeff. We're sorry. I'm always ready. Love it. All right, Father Meyer. So while this will air the end of June, I know you are coming off a pretty intense experience this weekend, uh, this past weekend. Yes. Oh, he is giddy. I want the listeners to know that Father Meyer just got the giddiest look on his face <laughs> that I've ever seen him get. Will you tell us about uh, Intense, Father? Yeah, so we have a retreat experience for young people known as Intense, and it is a three-day experience that we bring people to Jesus, particularly through Eucharistic adoration. So it begins on Friday night, goes until Sunday morning. And we bring in like 
best of the best speakers. So this year we had Paul J. Kim and Steve Ingrassano. Uh, there's mass every day. And we also have this is like tons of games. It's like nine square and cornhole. And so it's like, it's fun, but they're also getting really good content. They camp to keep the costs down instead of staying in hotels or convention centers. Instead actually, of staying in hotels, they stay intense. That's why it's called <laughs> intense. So it's intense because they stay so it, intense. I like so it. It's an intense youth conference and it, uh, it culminates on Saturday evening. You know, every retreat always has like the part of the retreat, which is supposed to be like the emotional tie in slash moment where you give your life to Jesus. Mm -hmm. For those of you who've done the senior retreat or Christ Jesus mm -hmm. parish, it's often like the letter experience. Yeah. So Jesus, this is lights, candles, yes. all the fields. So this is focused specifically on the Eucharist. Mm -hmm. So, we read the story of the hemorrhaging woman and then there's a Eucharistic procession where the Eucharist is actually in the monstrance is actually processed through the crowd. And everyone has like, like a personal moment to be able to look at the monstrance and grab the humoral veil and the veil. The, so to think of the tassels that the woman touched and was healed. And it's just, it's a joyful, joyful evening because our, our event is, is a hybrid between a Steubenville conference, what used to be known as Youth 2000, and then also World Youth Day because it's outside. And we uh, ours culminates with a big candle lighting thing after adoration. Uh, all the young people are giving candles because that's what they do at World Youth Day. And so everybody's outside and they just experience Christ in a powerful way. And the light is shattering the darkness. And then fireworks start going off at 1030 in the evening. Does everybody have personal radios and headphones no. to listen to the homily? No, because I... <laughs> I translate the homily for all you, do, of them. you just do it in English? Yeah, I just do it in English because I give the homily. Um, Context, the World Youth Day, it's yeah. usually in a different language, and uh, everybody has these little radios. And if people that don't have radios, Father Meyer just translates it by yelling what's said on the radio to the people <laughs> around him. I do. I do. I do. I do. Well, it's um, that was awesome. Uh Tell us more about, did you just share your screen? What is happening? I'm trying. There we go. Oh, here we go. Oh, oh, this is you. This is, I'm showing pictures right now to. This is uh, great audio content. This is the best podcast ever. I'll start, yeah. I'll start <laughs> translating the homily. There's a picture of a procession uh, with probably 25 servers and at least four priests I see. Is that accurate? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Looks like maybe a deacon there. Um. There's a big field with a bunch of people sitting around a big old stage. Um, yeah. So the closing mass where uh, I'm assuming Steve Ingrisano is up there jamming out to like waves of mercy or something. No, we have a house band. Oh, house band. Noise. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it, anyways, it's amazing expense. Any of you, any of you who have teenagers go to intenseconference.com uh, and join us next year. We have uh, our speakers are already Joe, Joe writes from the Colts is going to be with us next year. Uh, Nathan Crankfield from the Seeking Excellence podcast will be with us next year. Uh, Katie Beers from Dynamic Catholic is be with us next year. It's a lineup. Sister, Sister nice. Loretto nice. is going to be with us next year. That and guy. it's it's really just going to be – yeah. so every year we focus on having just like the best of the best, and it's great. So, yeah, intense youth conference. Check it out. Be a part of it. 
and get your young people jacked yeah, up. Send this, send this to your parishes too, because this is an incredibly affordable conference. Yeah, hundred dollars, hundred bucks, which is and, in, awesome. Mm-hmm. But for like that lineup anywhere else is, and and then you get into hotels and all that kind of stuff. Like that's awesome, Father. Awesome job. With Good this. job. What a great idea. You're welcome. The, how was how was this idea born out of your brain? Tell me. Uh, well, in my earliest days of priesthood, my first year of priesthood, I was had the experience of Youth 2000, which is a Eucharistic focus retreat. And then we, Father Bob Robeson and I, created what was known as Consumed, which was a youth Eucharistic retreat for young people. And we, that eventually died, um, stopped happening. And wanted to bring something back for young people to have conversions and particularly focused on Jesus in the Eucharist. And so we created this experience last year due to COVID so that kids would not have to be in hotels. So they, they tend to camp the entire weekend. And we just found that they actually liked it. And so we've been yeah keeping it going and hopefully we'll just have it be a, a normal experience for our young people here in Southeastern Indiana, but really for, anywhere anybody is welcome we had people last year due to COVID that came from oklahoma that from nebraska uh from new york just because of our kind of our online presence but yeah people are are very well what's your instructions to the lead person in a procession on how fast to walk Uh, i one foot in front of the other kind of like a graduation march so it's literally one foot in front of the other like Like you literally just put one you just your your toe to heel toe to heel yeah. Good yeah. job, Father Meyer. You're doing good things. Oh, that's any other trying. It really is awesome, Father. Thank you for sharing that. All for the glory of the Lord. Sounded like it was intense. It's all right, cause I'm a It's all right, cause I'm a It's all right, cause I'm a Sunday.